It's over for you, Yukon. All three of my blue eyes white dragons have destroyed nearly all but one of your pathetic dino wrestlers. And with this last attack, you are finished! Blue eyes white lightning attack! Not so fast, Derek. What? How do you still have life points? I activated my trap card! Wrestling with fiction! Wrestling with what? Oh, and I'm only just getting started, Derek. Because for each turn that this card remains on the field, each player must listen to an episode of the Wrestling with Fiction podcast and leave a review equal to the number of fictional friends in my hand or my deck. What? That would mean... Yes. One thousand! No, that... that can't be! It is. And if you refuse, you take eight thousand points of damage! What? No! Yes! Not a real card. Well, then I activate Mirror Force. Oh, motherfucker! On this week's episode of the Wrestling with Fiction podcast, we'll be discussing is he from Brooklyn or is he still Japanese? It's Joey Wheeler! One of my thoughts on the possibility of Joey Wheeler winning a singles title, could he work in Japan, and how on earth is this going to work? So for now, tell your friends, tell your friendliest friends, tell them all to listen to this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, Welcome to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast, the podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. Hello my fictional friends, my name is Connor and yes, we are back to the could such and such work in the wrestling business and by god, we've, we've, we've got a weird one this week. We have got my, my favourite character. In all of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, and just Yu-Gi-Oh! in general, we're talking about Joey Goddamn Wheeler. The the guy who I think is the best Yu-Gi-Oh! character purely because he should have beaten Marek. If you know what I'm talking about, he should have beaten Marek. He should have won. He basically won, but he collapsed. That is that is a pure babyface move, and I feel you could transfer that into the world of professional wrestling. So, a quick little background in case you don't know what a Yu-Gi-Oh is. Yu-Gi-Oh is a popular Japanese trading card game that also got an adaptation into an anime and a manga. And in addition to that, has spawned countless and countless TCG rankings and card games, has spawned multiple spin-offs. And it all began with Yu-Gi-Oh Duel Monsters with, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the Japanese high school student, 
Joey Wheeler. Like I mentioned, the Japanese high school student. Yeah, call me Butter, cause I'm on a roll. Like I said, Japanese high school student. Oh, forget it, he's from Brooklyn, baby. It doesn't matter if he's Japanese, he's from Brooklyn, through and through. Cause he's got bread and butter, and he's on a roll. Yes, this is the weird introduction to the world of Joey Wheeler, and how I think he could work in the world of professional wrestling. But, before we get on to my first storyline pitch, I feel it's good to explain my process through a little segment I like to call the tagline. If this is your first time visiting this podcast, the tagline is essentially a 30-word summary of what I'm going to be doing with this character with a couple explanations here and there. And think of it like a summary that you'd see on Netflix or any other streaming service that tries to pitch to you that you should watch this thing. That's what this is. So, without further ado, I, I think it's time to get into what I think will be the weirdest episode of this podcast to date. So, without further ado, I think it's time for me to ask myself to cue the music, future me! Okay, this is gonna be a lot of explaining to do, so first things first. All of the wacky stuff that we see in Yu-Gi-Oh! that involves life-threatening situations where people nearly die and people get possessed by spirits and souls? We can't include any of that! I'm sorry! I tried! I really tried to include it! But I'm sorry, but Lucha Underground doesn't exist anymore! And if it existed, those things could have been included! But we can't! You'll, you'll still get the core of what Joey Wheeler is, but we have to hold some stuff back. For example, his dueling stuff. The baby dragon, or his signature monster. You can include them in some way, but you have to include them as him being a fantastic trading card game duelist. You can't just have him have a la Yu-Gi-Oh capsule monsters and just get dragons punching people in the face. It would be cool. But you can't really do that. It's not the same as the Pokemon trainer where it physically helps him out. Joey, not necessarily. He actually has a bit of a fighting background which benefits us a bit. Because back in the Duelist Kingdom arc, if you haven't watched the anime, you have no idea what I'm talking about. He essentially takes on six guys by himself for a bit before his friend Tristan comes to help him with a save. Joey can fight. Joey can legitimately fight, and he's been beaten up in multiple scenarios where he should have died, like, three times! Three times! So ultimately, the core of what we know about Joey Weaver, whether it's just trading card games, or if it's just putting him into the wrestling business, that he values three things. He values respect, love, and his friends and family. I know that's four, but I'm counting friends and family as one. So, my tagline for this week in which we're going to be pitching all three storylines for Joey Wheeler going forward is Wanting to be more than just the king of games, Joey, fueled by his love of his family and friends, ventures to the world of professional wrestling to become the champion that he never was. Because, let's get this straight here. 
He's canonically, if we go by future timelines where other characters make cameos, like GX, considered the number three ranked duelist in the world. Which means his his overall dueling ranking of 50-50 has probably changed a bit. He's probably won some very significant things. And so him entering into the world of professional wrestling should be a big deal. Particularly because he's still pretty damn young. He's like 16. And he's being put into this. You've essentially got a young, potentially up-and-coming star that you can put into any company is incredibly durable, I should add. Just being a guy who plays card games, you never see him do any physical activity. He is essentially probably the most durable Yu-Gi-Oh character I've seen. So, without further ado, that's the tagline for this week. I believe that we should get onto my very first pitch. And... WWE Universe, or AEW Faithful, or whatever subject we're going to go to for this first pitch, you should know that for this first storyline, he's not going to just be debuting in the WWE. He's going to be let in. Right. First of all, you know how I said that we couldn't include wacky stuff into this? Well, it's because we're including it all into one thing! That's right! It's Bray Goddamn Wyatt! You know what? I'm not even just gonna build to it. I think you can kind of tell where this is going. We are gonna have... It's so stupid, but we're gonna do it! Joey Wheeler versus Bray Wyatt in a Firefly Funhouse match. Because that is the only conceivable way I can see Joey Wheeler, of all people, getting to have a real-life Yu-Gi-Oh!-style duel in wrestling, in general. Because, let's face it, look at all the main major companies. There's no way that you're gonna get freaking Joey Wheeler summoning a red-eyes black dragon and it actually coming out from the card unless it's in a scenario like this. I don't care if it means that we get some cheesy CG for freaking red-eyes black dragon firing an inferno fire blast. I want to see it. If Alexa Bliss can fire off a freaking Kamehameha... Not Kamehameha, let's be real. A freaking random ball of fire... And throw it into Randy Orton's face. God damn it, we are gonna have a goddamn Inferno Fire Blast from a freaking Red Eyes Black Dragon in this feud. So, how on earth does this feud come about? Well, first of all, I think it's important to note, because I haven't noted it, that throughout this entire storyline, we need to take note of Joey's in-ring style, how he's gonna work in the ring, and... Let's just take it from Joey's own words here. Luck is a part of skill. Now, what does this infer? Joey is incredibly lucky. His entire deck, his entire life, so to speak, in the world of Yu-Gi-Oh! has been incredibly lucky. You know, magically meeting his friend Yugi, who happened to magically be possessed by the Manelian puzzle and lead him to a Duelist Kingdom tournament where he was able to win enough prize money to help his sister Serenity cure from blindness. 
incredibly lucky. His entire deck in Battle City, incredibly luck heavy to the point of lunacy. Freaking, it's the anime version where it's just uh, graceful dice gives you like, if you roll a six, six times your attack points. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. So, his entire wrestling moveset is going to be based around this philosophy. Luck is skill. Roll-ups are key to his offense. And you know what would be his finishing move? Which is how this feud is going to happen. Distraction roll-ups. Because this takes place after WrestleMania. After the feud with Randy Orton. Bray Wyatt has essentially conquered all of his main demons. Randy Orton. John Cena. You know... We could say Brock Lesnar to some extent, but not really. But all the main ones that have wronged Bray Wyatt, he's dealt with. Or at least the main ones. So, we start to get a little shift in Bray Wyatt's character. Where he is no longer that vengeful, vindictive person. He has shifted from being a person seeking constant vengeance for those who have wronged him. To those who could wrong him. Enter Joey Wheeler, brand new debuting superstar on Raw. Former, not really former, but incredibly high-ranked trading card game duelist. Brought here by recommendations from uh, Yugi Moto, the king of games, wanting to see him get a big shot in the big leagues of professional wrestling. Because we've seen these crossovers happen before. Let's look at CM Punk going into the UFC. In hindsight, shouldn't have happened. Likewise, you gotta treat kind of Joey Wheeler the same. Is he experienced in wrestling? No. Can he beat people up? Yes. But, compared to wrestlers, realistically, at this point, if we're talking a WWE career and how we would be portrayed... No, he's going to be seen as a complete rookie. So think of every single distraction roll-up in existence. What do they all have in common? They all usually happen with huge upsets and sometimes distractions. So this feud between the two starts with Joey Wheeler having these huge, like, big money matches against... Guys who are probably upper mid-card to mid-card level. I'm talking guys like uh, Cedric Alexander, Kofi Kingston, um, John Morrison. People in that ilk. And when these things happen, particularly I think you could probably put Kofi Kingston in this spot for like a debut match. I think Kofi would be good. That you have the classic Bray Wyatt lights going out situation. Like the pew. But before the lights go out, Kofi is completely distracted. Joey Wheeler hits a schoolboy and gets the win. It is a distraction roll-up that gets Joey Wheeler the win. And of course, it builds the question. Is Joey Wheeler just associated with Bray Wyatt? Does Bray Wyatt have a thing for Kofi Kingston? I don't know. There's a New Day history there. What What is going on? So we build to another couple weeks later. It is... Joey Wheeler versus Mustafa Ali, because why not? Because it looks like they're going to break up Retribution, so this could be another catalyst that they freaking lost to a guy who plays card games for a living. You have this back and forth exchange, Joey Wheeler focusing on the roll-ups, you know? Maybe you get some backstage segments where 
you have particular wrestlers trying to train Joey Wheeler, trying to really build him up kind of in the same way that Yugi built him up in the early seasons of Yu-Gi-Oh! Because he represented us as the viewer. Like, people learning how to trade with card games. You can apply that to Joey Wheeler and have him be your insert character who learns the ins and outs of the business, trying to build himself up, and you see him gradually get better in the ring. You know, in these matches that, in many ways, he shouldn't be winning. With this big distraction that causes him to beat Mustafa Ali. You're giving him a bunch of big wins, but Joey, even though luck is in his mind skill, he's not earning the wins, is he? Joey Wheeler is getting lucky, and not the luck that he has earned. It's being manipulated by Bray Wyatt. So the weeks build on. You have Joey Wheeler progress more as a wrestler. You see members of the backstage locker room, particularly babyfaces, teaching him more things than just a roll-up and how to punch. Just don't let Shane McMahon try to teach him how to punch. It's not going to work. Just l learn from Tristan, the guy that you worked with. Th that's going to be better. And so we build to, I'd say, a, a couple months. You start to build Joey's more of a credible threat. Where, during one of his matches, Bray Wyatt appears on the Tron. It's a Firefly Funhouse segment, guys, in the middle of a match. And at this point, it's been months and months of Joey Wheeler getting these lucky wins because of the help of Bray Wyatt. We don't know his association with it. Is it a whole little card game thing? Kind of like how he got help from Yugi Moto early on at the beginning of Yu-Gi-Oh? Well, no! Because guess what? We are pulling. We're, we're going to have a throwback. We are ripping off the beginning part of Duelist Kingdom arc where Mo- not Mokuba- uh, Grandpa, aka Yugi's granddad, gets kidnapped by Pegasus, trapped in a TV, that this whole other thing, you know, anime shenanigans. So, except we don't have that with Joey Wheeler. We have Serenity, and My Valentine specifically. If you don't know who My Valentine is, just look up a compilation of her and Joey Wheeler on YouTube. They're cute, they're adorable. I, I would ship them. Either way, they are kidnapped by Bray Wyatt because in a classic Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse promo, he is speaking highly about Jerry Wheeler. He's like, you're doing great, buddy. You're, you're, you're getting your roll-up wins. You're, you're really showing your true talent as a professional wrestler, not just a guy who plays card games. But I know there's a demon inside of you. And if he's let out, well... I'm afraid we're going to have some problems. You see, Joey, I will always like the way. But for you and the rest of your buddies, if you want to stop me, you're going to have to let me in. You, you know, the classic Bray Wyatt cut away. Oh, no. So, yes, we spend a couple more weeks of television. Joey Wheeler calling his friend Yugi, asking, where on earth is my sister? And where on earth is my potential love interest, kind of not love interest? Where are they, Yugi? We, we need to find them. And just as that happens, the, the, the call cuts for a second. The, the line goes dead for a bit. And you know who picks up the phone? 
It's Bray Wyatt. He has kidnapped Yugi. Because we know that Yugi isn't nearly as good of a duelist as a Tim. He's going to get kidnapped. And he's a smaller guy. You can do it. And so we get to this final promo from Joey Wheeler. Absolutely incensed. All of his friends that encouraged him to head into the world of professional wrestling. Kidnapped by this monster who reminds him of his past. Uh, like a Merrick Ishtar of sorts. Because if you haven't watched Yu-Gi-Oh! And you know about Bray Wyatt. Kind of similar. Both people possessed by beings that are completely supernatural and above their own control. Uh, both of them essentially rising to new prominence of power through being possessed and trying to beat people who have wronged them. Kind of similar. So, yes, this is a kind of a weird parallel that's kind of my way of trying to get Joey Wheeler to finally beat Marek. But not Marek, Bray Wyatt. It's the WWE equivalent. So, we build the big pay-per-view. It is Joey Wheeler heading into the Firefly Funhouse to reclaim his sister, his love interest, and his best friend all in one from Bray Wyatt. He finally figures out a way to get into the Funhouse. He uses some of his new sort of wrestling skills to fend off members of the Funhouse like Rambling Rabbit and, <laughs> and Abby the Witch. You know, maybe you get a small package, maybe you get a super kick in there. I don't know what you want. I reckon you can do a power-up punch. You know, maybe get some brass knuckles because, you know, Brooklyn Rage and all. And we build to... I can't believe I'm saying this. He enters into the funhouse. He opens the door, kind of similar to the John Cena one that we got for the first Firefly Funhouse match. And what he sees is he sees Alexa Bliss just sitting there at a table asking Joey Wheeler to get his deck out. Because that's right, we're getting a duel, people! <laughs> It is Joey Wheeler has to beat Alexa Bliss in a duel to get to Bray Wyatt. Because I imagine in this type of story, it's it's like a video game. It's like the classic game of Yu-Gi-Oh. You gotta you gotta win. You gotta win your duel. I, I don't know what you'd have Alexa Bliss use, I assume, because it's the Wyatt or at least it's Firefly Funhouse. You can have it where Alexa Bliss has stolen my Valentine's deck, you know, to get a little bit of heat in there. Like, he's using my precious love interest cards. How dare she? She's stolen them. I'm going to get them back for you, Mai. I'm going to get them back for you. Because I consider you like a friend like everyone else. <laughs> like everyone else. So it's a duel, which eventually Joey wins. Because of course he does. Through shenanigans, I'm thinking. Skull dice. Uh, red eyes, black dragon. Blah, done. So we get to Bray Wyatt, where all the stakes are high. Basically, it's your classic dueling scenario. It's Bray Wyatt versus Joey Wheeler in a duel. I know, right? Crazy. So, it is a duel kind of similar to the Marek duel, if you know what that is. Where basically, if a monster's destroyed or you take life points damage, you feel the actual pain. And you know what? Because it's wrestling shenanigans, I think you can throw in a punch in there or a wrestling move or two. So, you have their big duel. Uh, Bray Wyatt busting out uh, Sister Abigail once he hits, like, incredibly big life point moves that cost, like, 
3,000 life points, putting Joe Wheeler in a knocked out state, but he can't go for the cover yet because he needs to win the duel. And of course, you have Joey Wheeler, you know, near collapse, kind of similar to the Marek duel where he's just beaten down, thinking of his friends, figuring of his family, all have been tortured in his world to try and get into the professional wrestling business. Then he gets up, you know, groggy. He's been beaten down and he's he's thinking of all the moves that he's been taught. Like the small package, the power-up punch, a, a super kick or two. And he just he just wails on him after using a combination of lucky moves that he has within his deck. And he pulls out the victory because of luck. And that's very important here. Joey Wheeler wins with luck and skill. Not just complete shenanigans like this whole feud is. And I know, it's wacky. It's stupid. In some ways, you shouldn't have Bray Wyatt in this position. But to get over Joey Wheeler, as this story is meant to do, I think it covers all the bases here. You've got a great explanation of his character. You got to show a little of his story arc in Yu-Gi-Oh, but in wrestling form, him learning from some of the best people in the world and gradually getting better thanks to support. You get his friendship dynamics and his potential love interest stuff, which could be related to a casual audience. And with it, you got a fun, wacky feud that somehow includes Yu-Gi-Oh cards that can come out with cheesy CGI and explosions. Now, for a spectacle alone, if the final deletion could get over. I think it's perfectly possible with the right creative freedom, especially with Bray Wyatt at the helm. You can get some really fun, wacky television out of it. I, I think you could get it over. And it's a big win for Joey. That isn't really a win because it's inside the Firefly Flon House. Flon House? Fun House? It's just really fun. It, it's the longest feud. It's the most ridiculous feud I have for this episode. But I think it's my, my it's my favorite. <laughs> so we're gonna move on from this because I realize I've spent a ton of time on this. So we're gonna move to something that has a little bit less chaos, a little bit less playing card games, and a lot more conspiracy, so to speak. <laughs> I did an episode on Sami Zayn on the podcast before. Yes, Sami Zayn is the, if we're talking just regular, normal people and not supernatural wackiness like in the previous one, Sami Zayn is a near perfect fit for a WWE wrestling feud for Joey Wheeler. Because if we're going with the sort of implausible scenario that Joey Wheeler joins the WWE roster and connect it with some real life events that really suck, but I wouldn't be surprised if WWE would not put it into a storyline. The the real life kind of banning of Twitch accounts and other social media platforms and now recently the whole charity controversy and other sort of great brands that WWE wrestlers were promoting. You can totally use that for a Sami Zayn, Joey Wheeler storyline where the whole story begins with Sami Zayn 
We're going to put it on the road to WrestleMania because why not? Because we started to see it with Sami Zayn and his whole documentary crew. Because it's a whole conspiracy around Sami Zayn. About how he deserves more than everybody else because he's worked so hard. And if he was not a heel, I would 100% believe him. And I still believe him despite this. But this story is all based around how he believes that WWE has hired Joey Wheeler to replace Sami Zayn because... In Joey Wheeler's own hypothetical words that Sami Zayn can edit in his own documentary. That was part of my master plan. Which is Sami Zayn's entire interpretation, because despite Joey Wheeler being Japanese, he sounds like he's from America. So, Sami Zayn believes in his own mind, in his own hypocritical sense of thinking, that WWE is essentially trying to whitewash its audience by replacing Sami Zayn with Joey Wheeler. <laughs> because he sounds like he's from Brooklyn and he looks like he's American. But really, he isn't. So it's just a random hypocritical thing for a heel to say that could get some heel heat because you can say, oh, boo. They do have diversity, which, to be told, they do. So, that is the basis of how this feud begins to come about. Sami Zayn is casually filming his, like, documentary series and how he's being screwed over. And he notices this loudmouth person claiming that he's the best and that nobody should take him on because he's so good. Kind of like a certain man with a documentary crew, wouldn't you say? So we have these sets of singles matches between Sami Zayn and Joey Wheeler, which is basically who can outluck the other because... Sami Zayn's recent wrestling style has been all based around him being a master strategist, trying to manipulate how you can just manipulate your own surroundings to get a win, kind of like in his Intercontinental Title War run. He would sometimes win with just count-out victories, which was an interesting finish that really made him stand out as an Intercontinental Champion. I loved his run. And with it, you can have almost like if you watch New Japan, you understand what I mean, but Toriyano-style comedy matches, where it's just both of them trying to out-cheat the other to see who could win the match. Because, as we've already said, luck is a part of skill with Joey Wheeler. <laughs> and with him, it's him just trying to do things the right way and just get lucky enough not to fall for Sami Zayn's tricks. And it's a, it's a very... In a WWE fashion, it's a very even Steven booking type of way. But you build it in this way because they're both so similar to each other. Just like character-wise. Because both of them, even at Sami Zayn's core, he's a character that does not give up in the same way that Joey Wheeler doesn't really give up throughout the entire series. He doesn't really give up on a lot of stuff. He, he fights for a lot of adversity that seems incredibly hopeless for him. I've talked about the whole Merrick thing a lot, but there's also like instances even before that where, if I remember correctly, he gets struck by lightning and he gets back up. So we build to, which I think would be a perfect end to this type of thing, a last man standing match between the two, where you just can have all kinds of like wacky scenarios happening where like, Sami Zayn's trying to duct tape 
Joey Wheeler's legs together or try and just get him, like, stuck to a ring post. And Joey, he's just trying to sort of, like, wiggle his way out of it or just make the most of it and just do whatever it takes to win. You could have the whole, like, documentary crew essentially filming the whole thing or even just, like, their sets of matches where they, like, create their own version of, like, the video package for the match where it's all just completely biased towards Sami Zayn being the best wrestler in the world. And you have Joey Wheeler, you know, kind of like in the previous story where he's constantly, like, trying to build up his own wrestling ability so that he can actually back up how he thinks he's going to be one of the best wrestlers and be a champion that nobody thought he could be as a duelist before. Because that's really kind of what Joey Wheeler is. He's a, he's a character who's incredibly underestimated, especially at the beginning of the series where he doesn't really have much experience. Kind of the same that you can do with this, where Sami Zayn has a legitimate gripe towards him as being this replacement of him, where he's still fresh and ready to go and ready to do anything, and he's being pushed down by this new system, a rising up-and-coming young talent who got successful somewhere else. Because you know WWE really loves that scenario. So in the last man standing match, reflect that. Have, like, assaults where Sami Zayn mocks him by just grabbing a random deck that he bought uh, a target or something and just drops it over Joey Wheeler as, like, a humiliation tactic. Or, like, Joey Wheeler getting a documentary crew and getting up in their face in a very, like, Brooklyn sort of way and then just... (laughs) Grabbing the camera and smacking it in Sami Zayn's face. I think for how stupid this scenario is, it's easily the most plausible one. Because you you keep Joey Wheeler in the place that I think he's perfect for. That kind of mid-card to upper mid-card position. Where he does have the possibility to get a big win. But he's also goofy enough to kind of be in that mid-card mix. And just have these weird wacky matches and not really lose anything. It's kind of the same with Sami Zayn. Like, he's been so good at being a multi-purpose role within the company. Like, going from this white meat baby face to this incredibly loud, obnoxious heel. I I think they would actually work really well together as, like, a character dynamic. And maybe once it's over, I I would personally love to see it. They, They realize they are so similar just in their mannerisms and how they sort of, like, interact with other people. That you make them a babyface tag team of Joey Wheeler and Sami Zayn. <laughs> I-, I think that would be really fun. Just for the fact that I think you could get Sami Zayn to win a tag team title with somebody. And you can have Joey Wheeler win something. Plus it emphasizes like his whole thing with friendship. So yeah, that's right WWE. Sign Joey Wheeler. I believe in you. <laughs> so that's a very short idea. But we're getting to the last pitch of this episode. And if you're thinking that, Connor, the first episode was, the first idea was really weird. The second one was, you know, a little bit more plausible. This one, we're going to be swapping companies here. And I'm just going to say this. We're going to take Joe in a different direction. Something more serious. In fact, he's going to be dueling with a lonely warrior. I think that's a good way to describe what's going to happen. Oh, I'm scared for this one. <laughs> Just thinking about it. Um, Minoru Suzuki! <laughs> oh, God! 
Now, you might be thinking, Connor, do you want freaking Joey Wheeler to die? Why are you putting him with Minoru Suzuki? He's, he's the guy who is 50 or 60. I don't know how old he is, but whatever. He's, he's a tough old man. He, he is, he is the Japanese equivalent that I can see of being a freaking Yakuza character. By the way, I'm probably going to cover Yakuza and could that work in the wrestling business at some point. But still, he's terrifying. Ah. No! So, how does this work, first of all? So, we've already established a couple things with Joey Wheeler in the past pitches. We've established that he is a lover of his family and friends, and that he doesn't really give up. He's got that shonen spirit, you know? So, he comes into New Japan, you know? I'm assuming because of a partnership, kind of like how New Japan has sponsorships with companies like Bushiroad, you know, the company that also makes various card games. You might also know Cardfight Vanguard. It's very obscure. I know you probably won't know it. And then, I assume you could have this special Konami New Japan crossover. Because, you know, they love their sponsorships. So, you have Joey Wheeler come in as a cross-promotional thing. He debuts. And, you know, one of his first things that he does, because I... Originally, this was going to be a Hiromu Takahashi feud, so I thought I'll just slot him in here, because he's injured right now. He plays a card game with Hiromu Takahashi on commentary. He plays a game of Yu-Gi-Oh with him, and he just, he wipes the floor with him. He wipes the floor with him, because he's Joey Wheeler. And it's during a six-man tag match with Minoru Suzuki. He's playing card games in front of Minoru Suzuki. A guy who you don't want to be doing anything with other than watching his match. Y you don't want to mess with Suzuki. <laughs> but he does. And what happens is exactly what you would expect with Minoru Suzuki. Now, I'm assuming with this, COVID rules are a lot better in New Japan. And you could already arrange this by having Joe Wheeler be the furthest out from all the barriers. But I just want to see Minoru Suzuki just break down the barrier with Joey Wheeler and just beat the living S-word out of him throughout a New Japan tour where he's like playing cards constantly and he just comes in, beats him up for a bit, almost kind of a young lion sense, which is what we actually kind of lead to because it gets Joey all riled up in these backstage press conferences that New Japan loves. And he says that, if you do that again, I am going to sock you. No, not sock you. I am going to punch you, Minoru Suzuki. I'm going to beat you up. Do you think I've met people as tough as you in the back of my playground? I'd oh my god, I'm butchering it so badly. <laughs> okay, uh, rephrase that. <laughs> I've fought tougher people in fights then I have fought you, Minoru Suzuki. That, that's a better way of phrasing it. So moving on. <laughs> we get that happen where Joey Wheeler stands up to Minoru Suzuki during a another match where they he just comes to pick, pick on him. And he actually slaps Minoru Suzuki in the face. Which, for some reason, Suzuki, you know, he does the classic like smile like, oh, he hit me. But, but he hit me good. And walks away, oddly. 
And then we build to whatever big New Japan show is at the time, where Joey Wheeler is offered a spot in Suzuki-gun by Minoru Suzuki as he's cutting a promo, saying that Joey Wheeler reminds him a lot of himself. He reminds him of that young adolescent that just couldn't catch a break. So he had to make the break himself. And so he invites Joey Wheeler into the ring. And of course, Joey Wheeler's reluctant. It's Minoru Suzuki and his whole faction of Suzuki-goon. And Joey, he refuses. Because Minoru Suzuki reminds him of Joey himself, as it's already been alluded to. Because in case you didn't know, Joey was a bully at one point. We kind of forget it because of his big Brooklyn accent, but he was once a bully who bullied his future best friend, threw away his most prized possession in a pool, by the way, and then realized the error of his ways and gave it back to him. For him, Minoru Suzuki reminds him of what he could have been, and he hates it. So, that's what happens. He refuses, he gets beaten up, and he's aided by some of the New Japan veterans like Satoshi Kojima, Hiroshi Tenzan, uh, Yuji Nagata. You know, your classic New Japan veterans who will help out in this type of situation. So that Joey Wheeler has some partners for the six-man tag match, and he can build to a match with Minoru Suzuki. And how does this happen? Well, we have essentially a Joey Wheeler die-hard moment. Where he is in the six-man tag matches constantly on the New Japan tours. And one by one, he pins a member of Suzuki-gun. He pins Yoshimaru Kanemaru. He re- he pins uh, El Desperado. He he gets a lucky roll-up over Taichi because you kind of want to keep Taichi strong. He gets he gets a lucky pin on Zack Saber Jr. <laughs> and so we build to a big match of Joey Wheeler versus Minoru Suzuki in. I'm thinking you can just have a hardcore match because those are the type of matches you can get away with people who have very limited wrestling ability, which I assume in this scenario, Joey Wheeler would most likely possess, where Joey Wheeler and Minoru Suzuki, they just, to be honest, they just punch the living S-word out of each other. It's just strong strike after strong strike. Uh, of course, Mizoru Suzuki has the upper hand at first. He's the veteran. He's the he's the manipulative, angry old man who just wants more. And it's that constantly wanting more that drives Joey to not give up and not back down after being humiliated week after, not week after week, you know, tour after tour. He just unwails on Suzuki. And you build to the classic, yay, boo, yay, boo. And, you know, the classic Japanese, oh, where you start to show the New Japan fans respecting Joey Wheeler because he's putting up a great fight against Minoru Suzuki, of all people. Now, of course, I'm not stupid enough to have Minoru Suzuki lose this because I know what the story would be if Joey Wheeler won. And I think you want to keep Suzuki strong in this scenario. He's still a big star in the company. But I feel like if you had Joey Wheeler lose here, he wouldn't really lose anything. 
because you've had him consistently team with veterans who have his approval. You paired him up and let him beat members of Sukigun one by one. And with it, you proved that he was more than just a guy who played card games. He's an incredibly durable guy. Like, I don't think it's talked about enough how durable this man is. I think we've touched on it a little bit in this podcast. But the man has survived lightning, nearly drowning, being struck by freaking fire blast from Egyptian god cards, uh, having his soul taken away. If, if you list all of the things that happened to Joey Wheeler, that... That alone is consistent, I think, would be tougher than Minoru Suzuki, to some extent. Just the stuff this character went through. So yeah, I think it's a plausible idea. Kind of one that takes a more serious side and serious look at Joey Wheeler. You kind of get more of a personal look to him. It, It's probably the one that I think would be very difficult to pull off, because, admittedly, Joey Wheeler isn't a wrestler. You can have all these things where he's training maybe backstage in like press conferences, like even as he's taking interviews, but it's one of those things where whilst I think it's a very cool idea, ultimately it's probably the hardest one to pull off, which is why it's a New Japan booking. Because <laughs> I believe in New Japan and long-term storytelling. And with it, Joey Wheeler, I think, with a Japanese audience could get over in defeat, which is why I personally would want him to lose. I think Suzuki doesn't lose anything by having a great match against Joey Wheeler, a guy who people, I think, at first would consider very limited, especially since he starts out in this whole idea as facing off against Hiromu Takahashi in a card game. I, I think it's a very fun feud that keeps Minoru Suzuki busy, and it gives room for guys like Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi to get a match. But once again, this is a plausible what-if that will never happen. So, yeah, I I would love to see it happen. I think a lot of people would. And yeah, I think that Joey Wheeler is very cool. I, I don't know how to end this, so... Uh, uh, insert Joey Wheeler clip. All my strategies have you thinking hard. Oh my god, it's over. <laughs> it's over. So, that was probably the most hardest, like, ideas I ever had to come up with. Like, the real limitation of not always having the, like, Yu-Gi-Oh cards come into play was really hard to do. <laughs> Probably the hardest could this work in the wrestling business I've done up to this point. Uh, so, as we're at the end of this episode, I may as well just say some updates, since we're here. Uh, first of all, we hit 1k, so holy s-word, thank you so much. That's... My, my mind hasn't fully taken it in yet, that we actually reached this number. So, if you're listening to this for the first time, or you've been listening since the beginning, or you're somewhere in between, thank you so much, legitimately. It's... I can't believe I've made it this far, and I I couldn't have made it without every single one of you, so from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And with it, we're going to be doing a couple changes to the podcast a bit. Not anything major, I, I posted a poll on Twitter, just asking for, hey, how many storylines do you want me to cover from each week? You guys suggested free, which is why that's going to be the sort of number going forward. 
which in hindsight works really well for me. So thank you very much for that. Thank you, Twitter. And with it, I'm hoping that these can get better and better. And hopefully, since I may as well just start doing this as the opening alluded to, if you like this podcast and you really enjoy it, leave a review or just give your general rating. Just like, it'll be great for the podcast just to get more and more people to just add in reviews. That stuff really helps in all... <laughs> Jesus. That really helps. Like, oh god, it feels really weird to give self-promotion to leave a review for the Wrestling With Fiction podcast because it allows more fictional friends to join this podcast group. Oh, that, that doesn't sound right. But yeah, <laughs> leave, leave a review if you feel like it. And spread the word to your friends and maybe one day they'll become a fictional friend. Like you. Or everything else. Anyways. God, that doesn't sound right. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, 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 this is why I'm not good at self-promotion at the end of things. This is, this is why the end part is added at the end. So, in case you finish your content, you don't need to see this. Anyways. If you like what I did or you enjoy it, please tell me what you think on Twitter at Connor the Cooper or tell me on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction. If you have potential tagline ideas, please at me for them because honestly, I want to hear them. I want to hear your suggestions. <laughs> and with that, I think that's where I'm going to end this week's episode. So anyways, I hope you all have a lovely day. And remember everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night everybody.